0: So you found amateur hour and hopefully you've been finding it for quite some time, Danny and Darren and the journey of the athlete, whether it be a high school athlete or a college athlete into decision day, into the draft and maybe some scouts perspectives along the way, major league leaders. We've had those, but it's now here. It's now draft day on Sunday. And as you're listening to this podcast, understand that we'll continue our coverage on all perfect game platforms and on this podcast, but this podcast is about people. It always has been, and it's 100% about the people, the human beings and what they go through. And um, we've got two really, really cool guests that are, that are coming on right now. And, and you know, from Fitz to Bachman, do we say Bachman? Is that correct?
1: Sam Bachman.
0: Yeah, yeah, and, and, and Auburn's talented, gifted right arm. I think the one thing, um, Danny, that I'm most excited about that we've stayed committed to the concept of the people because these conversations have been epic and these two are two really underplayed dudes they're low-key they're low-key but they're going to be high picks their lives are going to change in all likelihood millionaires but man this was kind of the blue collar down-to-earth group you got to walk on and fix you've got a uh, a, a guy who was overlooked ranked you know a millionth in the 18 class who now throws 100 this is a fun one
1: I feel like I have a soft spot for the class of 2021 and what they went through and how they navigated the pandemic, doing it so gracefully, so patiently, and came out thunderous. And everyone is going to fall in love with this class. And we've spent the past couple of months trying to introduce people to who they are and learn more about them. And these two guys are not the shiny, sparkly names that everyone is seeing right now as they're looking at draft boards. but man, these guys are bulldogs. They've faced a ton of adversity in their lives. Richard Fitz walked on to Auburn. He walked on, he had one non-SEC college offer and he wanted to go to Auburn. He toured the school. And then he has Tim Hudson as a pitching coach. And then Sam Bachman, who has just risen up at Miami. And he's a Midwest kid from Fishers, Indiana. So proud to be from there. And both of these guys are going to make two teams really, really happy. And I'm so glad that we got to learn more about them. I'd never talked to these guys, never spoken to them. And just to hear a little bit about their journey is so special. So I hope you all enjoy it because we worked hard for these (laughs) interviews. We worked hard.
2: Yeah,
0: great producing, Dee. I mean, incredible stuff. Thanks for pulling this all together. And uh, I think it's interesting. There's there's an amazing, amazing anecdotal story that Sam Bachman will share about his place in the whole draft and uh you guys will get it if you're if you're a current player if you're a parent yeah. if you're a travel coach you'll get his story about you know when he was ranked a million coming out of high school to where he now throws over 100 miles an hour um what's also cool on this show brian Sikowski, who's been a heartbeat for us the great rider the great scout for perfect game and by the way state champion high school coach in michigan as well uh, at orchard lane st mary's he's going to give us his perspective on the 2021 draft we're also going to hear from Tim Corbin, the head coach of Vanderbilt, who quickly came, got right back to me in a text that I'd love to come on. Perfect game, college baseball. I host that show with Hunter Pence. It's heard every Tuesday at 10 o'clock Eastern on ESPNU on XM. His straight description of the men, not the scattering report. You can read those everywhere. Of the men, Kumar Rocker and Jack Leiter, post-career. Watching them all go through it. There's emotion involved in this. You're going to want to hear that later. So uh, excited to have a show that's just full of all sorts of cool draft content let's go first of all thank you for hanging out with us we're we're lucky to have you with us and uh, sam excited about your journey um learning a lot about you who were you when you were pitching in jupiter back in 2017 for team indiana what were your aspirations who did you hope to be and how much have you evolved since then but let's start with who you were back then pitching in jupiter for team indiana at that event
3: oh yeah i I was already committed (laughs) leave to Miami. Um, I was always kind of in the mix as like a top arm for guys in Indiana which is why I was offered to play. It was actually last second so I was right on that borderline but I I wanted to go so I went and I definitely wasn't like a draft guy or anything out of high school so I was just going to play division one baseball and I was hoping I could you know come to a realistic dream you know down the road after college and keep developing and Um, I like to think I was a late bloomer, so. College is for some, right? I mean,
0: even guys that are going to be first, second round draft picks. College really can prove to be a developing ground, a player development place. Explain to me, in your perspective, as we sit here today and you look like you're on a nice front porch somewhere explain to me explain to me some of the areas that you developed the most at Miami of Ohio some some of the areas that almost didn't exist in you some things in your game that didn't even exist back in Jupiter in 2017 and how much how much they helped you
3: yeah I think first and foremost I think you you just mature a lot more so you're able to kind of discipline yourself in different ways as far as you know what you're eating what how long you're staying up um, when you're waking up what what type of supplements are you taking, stuff like that. But the the biggest thing for me, I guess, getting into college was definitely finding a routine that, you know, helps me tick on game day. What's what's allowing me to feel the best mentally and physically? And then, obviously, physical development is a huge thing. I think a lot of guys in high school are, you know, once they commit and, like, the commitments are all based on projections, like this guy's going to be this good. Um, I think they stop working and they stop developing. And so, for me, it was – because I was an underlooked guy, I always had a chip on my shoulder and really took it upon myself to develop because I knew schools were passing up on me because they didn't feel like I was projected. And so, go ahead. No, I'm listening. I'm listening. Oh, oh, I thought you were. No, no. <laughs> um, I lost my train of thought. Um, yeah, just getting bigger, stronger, being able to manage that, that college workload. I think it's a lot more different in high school than it is in college. So, Being able to handle that first and foremost and being coachable and um, the mental game's huge. And I think if I didn't have college baseball, I definitely wouldn't wouldn't be where I am today. So it's taught me so many things along the way. And I'm glad I chose this route over, you know, the draft was in my realm at all. But Yeah, it's interesting. I didn't actually have a question. I just had a
0: comment that I know Danny's going to jump in. When I listen to your story and I hear the, the chip on your shoulder, it's funny because I hear chip on my shoulder and I yawn a little bit. It's kind of a manufactured thing for a lot of people. I don't buy it. I buy it with you. That's what my point was going to be like. I get it. You knew who you could be. You weren't there yet. You felt overlooked. Um, you know, a lot of teams came to you after they were out of money at the power five level. Um, I buy it. That's all. I think it's pretty cool. Like when you say chip on your shoulder, I don't go roll my eyes again. I'm like, I got it. Okay. I get that chip on your shoulder. Sorry, Danny.
1: No, you're fine. You're fine. I, I love the, the journey, the path. How did you get here? You know, how did the chip on your shoulder help you get to where you are? So for someone who hasn't had the fortune of watching you pitch every day in person, when you're on the mound, if I'm in the box, What am I looking at? What kind of person am I looking at? And and what kind of stuff do you have that you're the most proud of?
3: Freshman year, sophomore year, almost being the same type of guy, the physical, like the physicalities, the intangibles are, are there. He can throw hard. He can um, command his stuff and set up certain pitches and stuff like that. But I think the biggest thing to bridge the gap as far as the college level to the major league level and pro baseball is just the mental game and being being very good with that and you know being able to roll with the ups and downs. I think when you're looking at me on the mound it's it's that one pitch at a time mentality and you know trying to translate you think in high school sometimes you lose command for an inning and then in college it might be a a four pitch walk or something like that and you know the big leagues guys miss still and they miss pitches and I think being able to bounce back one pitch at a time is the biggest thing so that's my something I like to go by is not being affected by the previous pitch and controlling all the controllables and knowing that once the ball leaves your hand, you can't, can't really control what happens behind you. And just always being a, I'm a fierce competitor. I, I love to compete and you know, I always pick up my guys behind me. If there's, there's a misplayed ball or an error or something, you know, I'm pat them on the back. Like I'm getting you another one. Like you got this, like not trying to dwell on those types of things. So.
1: What do we need to know about Fishers, Indiana, and growing up there and playing baseball there and falling in love with the game there?
3: Um, I think first and foremost, Fishers has a ton of talent as far as baseball goes, and um, I mean you can think about guys like Carter Loman, Luke Albright, who's also in the MAC. Uh, Jared Poland's another guy, and there's even upperclassmen, and younger cl- or younger kids too that from this area where it's just a breeding ground of arms, in my opinion, and uh, I'm just glad that to be part of that and represent Fishers in that way. But, you know, it's competitive here and you play with these kids year-round and ever since I was a kid, so it is fun to compete with all of them, especially the Grand Park Summer League is right, right here as well, and so being able to compete with those guys is, is fun.
0: For you, what was that final start like against Ball State? The numbers were really good, dude. And I know you'll tell me you wish the team would have won the game. I get that. But it's also you doing the best you can to help your team. It was a really good outing. And it was you had missed a little bit of time this year. How, how great did it feel that that was your final outing?
3: Uh, it was good. I think it just kind of put the stamp on it and kind of solidified who I can really be and truly be. And, you know, it, it keeps me fueled like that people are um, – you know, paying attention to what I'm doing throughout the year and I'm getting some recognition that also fuels the fire even more, but even still being underlooked, I think, and the value that I can bring to a big league ball club. And I think I just ended with a bang and hopefully I can carry that momentum into it and a team, you know, takes a chance on me and I definitely will take that opportunity full go and never look back.
0: If I'm saying his name properly, is it Greg Vogt, V-O-G-T? Is that his name? Yes, sir. Very impactful in your career. I'd like to know why and
3: how. Um, he's just a student of the game. He knows um, just how everyone's body moves, and I think just the biggest thing with him and what he does is he he does. It's almost like a drive line program, throwing program, but it's not just the weighted ball stuff. There's so much that goes into it, and when guys go in there, you get an assessment done, and you know everyone's body moves differently, and you see a lot of college programs how it's it's this way or the highway if you're not doing this, pr- this program correctly or you're not buying into this then you know you're gonna not play or those you know those guys usually find their way to different school but you know everybody's welcome at the the place that he runs and he does different movement stuff with them and everyone's different and he just customizes a plan that works for you and allows guys to really grow and to work alongside you know him and other guys that go in there they all have the same vision so it's really contagious as far as getting better and improving as a player.
0: I asked you about your last start. I'd like to ask you about your first start because you were that chip on the shoulder guy who finally made it to college and it's your chance to prove something. Danny and I talk about this a lot. Um, And I was a college freshman pitching once myself. Like, you know how well you're kind of expected to do and you did way better than that. You pitched into the sixth inning against St. Louis. You struck out seven. You guys won that game. So as you look back on your very first start, what do you vividly remember about it?
3: Yeah, I remember it's just kind of crazy because when you're a freshman and you're a starter, it's like, okay, I'm sure a lot of the older guys are, um, they were wanting that starting role or something. So honestly, I was just concentrating on playing well for the guys behind me. I'm playing around a ton of juniors and seniors that are playing behind my back. So I was like, you know, I got to put on for them. I got to, you know, prove to them why I belong here, especially the coaches, you know, believing in me. So it gave me a lot of confidence that I was given that role and I knew that I belonged there because I was given that. And so obviously just concentrating on winning the game was kind of the the main motto. And it's always been that for me. And that just keeps me, keeps me pitching well. And then at the end of the year, you know, you receive all the personal accolades and stuff, but that's not usually in my, in my mind throughout the season.
1: Hey, last one for me, Darren and I've been doing this for, couple months now and we are the luckiest kids in the world to get to learn more about you guys and um you know as, before you go off into the next chapter like what does life look like for you these next few days because we're days away like what are you feeling I, I feel like you know we've been super mellow but like there's a big day coming up i'm i'm excited you're the last guy that darren and i will talk with together um, and, and we've, you know, we've been trying to get you. So what, how are you feeling? Like what's happening in your life these next few days?
3: Oh uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely been hectic. Just a lot of phone calls and meetings and, you know, meeting with people in my corner, but I, I tried to not forget about it, but not look at the calendar and it really went by pretty fast. And then the 4th of July came and I was like, whoa, like we're a week away and, um, I'm starting to get a little antsy, but just more excited. Cause I know wherever I end up, it'll be home for me. And, you know, God has a plan. So I'm just trusting and have faith in that. And so I'll be taken care of and just happy to see where, so I'm pretty, pretty excited.
1: And who's with you on draft day? Sorry, Darren, who's with you?
3: Oh, Um, I'm going back to Miami university and we got something planned there, but it's family, friends, teammates, coaches and just mentors that really have been there the whole, the whole way.
0: I find it very interesting and somewhat intriguing. Ethan Hankins has gone into pro ball and Carter Stewart has gone on to Japan in an interesting journey. But in that class in which you were the 260th ranked right-handed pitcher, you now are in the same podcasts, in the same conversation, in the same mock drafts as the number one player that year, Kumar Rocker. That's called rising, my friend. That's absolutely called rising and taking advantage. You get where I'm coming from, right? I mean, he he deserved to be number one. It's not that he didn't deserve it. He did. He deserved that ranking, and so did Ethan Hankins and Carter Stewart, who are both millionaires now, right? But I think that's pretty cool. You get that perspective that I'm showing you.
3: Yeah, it's I really it's it's really crazy because like honestly, I I played down in Georgia with my my summer team, and I remember specifically it was like me and my brother and my dad, and we were like almost like fans of Kumar Rocker and Ethan Hankins, and we went and watched them throw, and it was like I just remember dreaming like. How throw 98, like 99? That's just absurd. And it was like 94, 95 that I thought would be insane, but those guys were throwing upper 90s. And it was, I was watching those guys when I was whatever I was ranked back in the day. But yeah, it's definitely a crazy, crazy road. And it's, it's surreal. Now you are one.
0: Now you are one of those guys.
3: Yeah, I guess it's really, it's, it's an honor. It's cool. And it's been like, you know, this after the draft, it'll kind of like, put into fruition, like the, the path and how it was all the ups and downs and just how I got here. It's really, it's really cool and humbling for sure.
0: My angels pick at nine. I'll be keeping an eye to see what they do. My angels pick at yeah. nine. You'd look good in that same color red that you wore through college. So we'll see. We'll see. Thank
1: Congrats, you, man. Yeah, thank you, thank I you appreciate so much. It.
0: Each week, since we gave birth to this fun podcast, we ask as many scouts as are available for perfect game to open their notebooks and share with us. And for Brian Sikowski, this is more of a hard drive, and hopefully he doesn't blow up the uh, the podcast, but he's allowed to as far as the length goes. Here's Brian Sikowski, his scout's eyes as he opens up his notebook and talks about the 2021 draft.
4: We are finally approaching the 2021 MLB draft. Feels like we've been waiting forever for this to get going. Uh, it is a month or six weeks delayed as a result of COVID. Last year, things changing around, et cetera, et cetera. Either way, it's in the middle of the summer. Uh, and we're finally getting ready to go Sunday night. Uh, first round of the draft. We will finally know how the class of 2021 lines up for sure. Uh, the first overall pick is, is still anyone's guess at this point. There isn't a slam dunk one, one in this draft. There is no Adley Rutschman. There is no Casey Mize, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so the, as I said, the, uh, Number one pick is that anyone's guess. We have the Pirates taking uh, Marcelo Mayer, the shortstop from Southern California, high school guy. He's number one on our board heading into this draft, uh, and we have Pittsburgh taking him. And after that, it gets weird. It it, it is weird at 1. We don't know who anybody's going to take. The Rangers at 2, they could be in play for Jordan Lawler. They could be in play for Jack Leiter. They could be in play for Henry Davis. The Tigers like uh, Brady House at 3, but what if Jack Leiter's there? What if Marcelo Mayer falls? Uh, Lots of dominoes that we don't quite understand yet. Lots of things that we're just going to find out as they happen on Sunday night. Um, who's going to go to school, Uh, is anybody falling, et cetera, et cetera. Where does Kumar Rocker go? Uh, Jackson Job, I I think, is in play anywhere from 3 to 11 as the top high school pitcher in the class. Um, You have to look at college bats as guys that end up moving up the board uh, as you get closer to the draft. Henry Davis from Louisville, who I already mentioned, Sal Frelick from Boston College, Colton Kowser from Sam Houston State, Uh, those are college bats, along with Matt McClain from UCLA, who I would expect to to be in the top 15 or so. Uh, The the class, as we've talked about at large, is very, very deep in high school bats, high school shortstops in particular, uh, though there are some extremely interesting toolsy outfielders later down the board. Uh, So I think the comp round, early second round, in that range where the overpays come into play, Uh, in that range where guys who are top 15, top 20 talents who slip down the board make more money than the slot allotment at pick 40 or so. Those guys, that's where I'm most focused right now as far as my intrigue goes. Um, I think you're going to see a lot of high school there. I think you're going to see a lot of tools there. I think you're going to see a lot of upside taken in in, in that range uh, as teams try and double up with some risk uh, along with going safer early on. Uh, Names in that range, uh, anywhere from... Alex Mooney and Colson Montgomery, Midwestern guy, shortstops. Um, Peyton Stovall, the, the left-handed hitting second baseman from Louisiana, who's got a ton of power. Carson Williams out on the West Coast, Max Muncy out on the West Coast, Tyler Whitaker, the super toolsy outfielder in Vegas, James Wood, who has as much raw power as anybody, uh, Josh Baez, similar, super uh, super powerful, super athletic right field profile. These are all high school guys. Noah Miller, the shortstop from Wisconsin, Jackson Merrill. the the shortstop from Maryland who flew up the board this year. Any of those guys are in play in in those five to 10 pick range, 15 pick range uh, as potential overpay candidates. If they don't go in the first round, that's where I'll be watching most. That's where I'll have my focus. We're looking forward to getting it going.
1: Richard Fitz, Auburn pitcher, started as a reliever and has worked your way up now to starting pitcher your last season, potentially at Auburn. and Your story is really fascinating Um, coming out of high school, no SEC offers. You have your heart set on an SEC school. You have Auburn is, is a place that you're looking towards, that you're looking at. And you didn't get an offer from Auburn. And I'm so interested in hearing how you went from no offers from Auburn to now being a high draft prospect and working your way up from a bullpen role to a starting role in the rotation. So if you could just walk us through how that happened with coach Thompson and yourself, I'd love to hear that story.
5: Yeah. Well, I guess it really starts back in probably 2009. So when I was nine years old, uh, my brother who's seven years older than me was a pitcher and he went to Mississippi state while coach Thompson was there. So Mm -hmm um we kind of built that relationship just where like he knows my family he knows my brother he knows everything around just the Fitz family and kind of what we stand for and that kind of thing and then my junior year of high school I got an injury that kind of stopped my uh recruiting process so I wasn't able to be in front of uh coaches or anything like that where nobody was really seeing me for about six to eight months and um That was in the prime time of the recruiting process. It was my junior uh, spring of high school and junior summer. So uh, I was very lost. I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to play baseball. I wasn't sure if I was just going to go to school and be a a regular student and just get a degree and go to work after that. But uh, so like I said, I came to Auburn and I went on a campus tour. and. Loves the campus, loves the people. Um, everybody here at Auburn is unbelievable. Everyone loves Auburn. Everyone loves the people at Auburn. And uh, before that, I even told my parents I was like, if I if I don't play baseball, I'm going to Auburn. I love everything about it. And then uh, met I met with Coach Thompson and met with Coach Nana and they uh, allowed me to have an opportunity to walk on as a preferred walk-on, and I was extremely grateful for that. And I knew I had to step up a little bit too. Like I had to come up, I had to come in and and show out and really earn a spot on the team uh, with the guys that got scholarship and everything with that.
1: What was that experience like having to step up and having to maybe feel like you should prove something or that you've you've been given this golden ticket and you come in with a bunch of different guys and maybe you are familiar with them or you don't know them at all like what does that feel like are you nervous are you excited like do you feel a lot of pressure what does that feel like
5: uh it's a it's a roller coaster you know I mean I I met a lot of friends that I'll have for the rest of my life uh, on that aspect and they treated me just like any other guy uh, but it was also very nerve wracking. It was very, uh, uh, very humbling in a lot of aspects just because I, uh, you know, I mean, I played well for my high school. I was a good player and everything, but I got here and I was almost on the bottom of the totem pole. And uh, that's something I, I am actually glad that it happened. It's probably one of the best things that's ever happened to me personally, just because it shaped me into who I am now. And it shaped me into be, to being a true competitor and being somebody that works hard every single day and uh, shows up early, leaves late, that kind of thing. So I, I uh, wouldn't want it any other way now, even though it was a little uh, nerve wracking in the middle of it.
0: Is it good to be always hungry? Because, you know, if, if your plate is full every single night, um, somehow maybe your work ethic, and I'm not saying this could have happened, but you know, full scholarship player, drafted high out of high school. You have now the stuff of those guys, by the way. But is it good to be hungry? Does that make sense? I mean, your plate was not full when you arrived. Your plate was empty. You had to you had to go catch, prepare, and fill your own plate. And for a long while, there was nothing guaranteed. Um, are you glad you went through it that way?
5: Absolutely. I, uh, I'm i extremely blessed that I went through that just because, uh, I mean, if – if I was given a full plate every single day, that kind of thing, I don't know if I would be in the position I am now. I don't know if I would be the person I am now. Uh, and, I mean, really and truly, that, that hunger and that drive uh, was necessary because of the situation I was in. Like you said, nothing was guaranteed. So, uh, I, I mean, I'm grateful for it every single day.
0: When was the moment, Richard? And, and maybe it's a single outing. Maybe it's a conversation you had with someone. When you went from, I think I can do this and I know I want to be here, but I actually do fit and I am a guy who can pitch here and possibly at the next level. When did that occur?
5: Uh, I think I learned that I could pitch at least at Auburn uh, my first fall, my freshman year. We were doing one of our first uh, like live AB type thing where we're just throwing like bullpens to hitters. And uh, I got matched up against two of our better hitters. It was Will Holland and Edouard Julian. And, uh, I mean, me coming in as a freshman, like, even if I was a top-tier guy, like, those are two big names. Like, they were expected to have great seasons. They had great seasons the year before. So, uh, they were kind of just throwing me in the fire. And uh, I had some success in that outing and kind of caught them off guard a little bit. And it made me – realized that, like, I deserve to be here and everything, and I can earn my way into a, into a good spot on this team. And then uh, my freshman year in the middle of the season, about uh, South Carolina weekend, had a pretty good outing, and that was when I kind of realized that, hey, I can really pitch in the SEC and have success. And that kind of confidence just builds and builds on each other and really makes me better every single time, because if you don't have confidence, then you're going to struggle.
0: Yeah. Speak on that a little bit. Sorry, Danny, I'm going to jump in for one more. Speak on that a little bit because, um, I have seen it at, at, at all levels and especially in the major leagues, but it's, it's incredibly important at, at the, at the amateur, the high school level or at your level, kind of on a scale of one to 10 of your success, how important was that simple concept confidence? Um,
5: uh, a 10, I mean, even now, whenever, um, uh, at the level that i am now which i would say i'm a whole lot better than i was my freshman year if i'm not confident then you know man you can um it's not going to be as good of an outing as it would be if i was if i was confident going into it and it's kind of a crazy thing just because it's not like a, a physical a physical tangible thing or anything so uh it's something that hard you have to master too i mean i haven't mastered it obviously but Uh, the times where I'm the most confident is when I'm, I'm the most dominant. So I think those are two things that correlate together and something that young pitchers and older pitchers really need to focus on to be successful.
1: Tim Hudson, pitching coach, volunteer coach, what kind of impact did he have on you? Has he had on you? And do you hope he continues to have on you maybe personally and professionally?
5: Yeah, um, Coach Hudson's been unbelievable for me. He's been, uh, uh, really like a role model just because of the way he carries himself. I mean, he's a 17 year big leader and he's helping out college kids, you know, so, uh, he's extremely humble. He's extremely, uh, uh hardworking, you know, even though he's already reached the peak of his career and, uh, already been through everything that we're, we're trying to go through, uh, it's uh, something that I look, look up to him for just because he doesn't have to be out here. Then on the baseball side, I mean, he, he knows so much more than, than I could know right now and so forth. So just being able to go to him and ask any questions, uh, learn from him and scouting reports, learn from him and just the way that he attacked bullpens, attacked uh, certain types of hitters, that kind of thing has been uh, something that's really upped my game to the next level.
1: Has he shared a story with you that you're like, oh, my gosh, or you went back and told your buddies or, you know, you called your brother or your family, and you're like, you have to hear the story that I just heard from Coach Hudson.
5: <laughs> uh, probably not a specific story or anything, but it, it's uh, pretty funny to hear him talk about just some of the, like, pranks or something that some of the major league guys play on each other just as when you watch a major league baseball game, you know, you think, like, these are, like, business, business people, like, they're strict. Yeah. It's that kind of thing but they're just like us too you know like we're messing around in the locker room doing that kind of fun thing so that's pretty cool to hear
0: Richard bring us up to speed on who you are as a pitcher a lot of people that that geek out on on the future of the game and prospects know you already but a lot of people listening to this don't so as we sit here having this conversation man you shoved against Mizzou in your last outing um, if it is your final what what a way to go out but Who are you as a pitcher? And I always like to say you're bringing your pitches to a cocktail party, and they're all there with you. I need you to introduce them because any good grown-up knows how to walk into a setting and introduce the people that are with them. Bring your pitches into that room and introduce
5: each one of them, please. So, do you want me to like tell you what pitches I throw? Yeah, give me
0: tell me a little bit about them. Yeah, tell me about the pitches you throw. I should have just kept it simple. The pitches (laughs) you throw, the pitches you throw, and some characteristics of those pitches.
5: Right. Uh, so I throw a two-seam and a four-seam fastball. My four-seam fastball is a high spin rate, high velocity pitch that I like to use up in the zone into lefties uh, out to righties, that kind of thing, get some swing and miss. Uh, I like to get, I like to use this as my, my attack pitch. So whenever I'm on the mound, I'm attacking. I don't like, I don't like calling the pitcher a defensive position because I think that uh, the pitcher is really the, only attacker on the field and the hitters in the defense. So um, when I think about it like that, you know, the fastball is going to be my main pitch that I'm attacked with. I'll move in and out of the zone with my two seam and four seam, then uh, get out with my slider. So I get swing misses with uh, with that, tunnels really well with my fastball, get some really good swing misses. It's a harder, harder slider. It's about 86. Uh, then a harder changeup at about 89, where get soft contact really uh and swing and misses late in the count off fastball counts, that kind of thing
0: interesting sorry about the whole cocktail party thing i'm trying to be trying to be uber creative and, and and uh and edgy and charming and it, it doesn't i thought you were work.
1: trying to take a dig at me with mizzou that's what i thought you were doing there
0: oh he shoved against mizzou let's talk about yeah. that yeah since danny's a, a mizzou person
1: i'm a mizzou um, alum
0: I see eight innings. I see nothing else after that. (laughs) Like I see eight innings and there's a whole bunch of ones and zeros until you get to the very end. And I see seven strikeouts. So reflect with me. We've had a chance to do this with a couple of your colleagues at your level where they can kind of have that for the love of the game moment. When you sit down and it's over Um, a what went well. And when you have a chance to reflect on an outing like that, if it is your final outing, um, how special is it that it went that way?
5: Uh, just reflecting on it, I mean, it was, uh, it was a very fun outing just because I felt like I was commanding my fastball well. I was able to throw three pitches for a strike, which uh, is really a game changer. I mean, having two pitches, I can be successful, but three, I really think I'm unhittable. So uh, um, I was having success with my changeup, probably more than I had had all year with it. Uh, my fastball, I was able to work outside to the hitters and throw the slider pretty much in the same spot, keep them off balance. And I uh, had some success. I walked, I walked about one or two guys, only gave up one hit, and uh, felt very confident all the game. Uh, started getting a little tired just because I hadn't thrown that much all year, but uh, still felt very confident, felt very uh, uh, very proud of that outing just because of the adversity that I had experienced this year, which is uh, kind of just what I want to remember about that outing if it is my last outing as an armored tiger, but uh, just uh, – Everything just kind of came, came together. Everything that I've been working on all year—I was dealing with injuries, I was dealing with changes, different things like that—and uh, uh, having a chance to really put my team in a good situation to win and uh, get that win was a was an unbelievable experience for me and something that I'll cherish forever.
0: If I'm having some pillars of the fits home, and uh, you know, there are a couple of things that are just very important. Um, what values mean the most Danny and Angie, your, your, your parents, what are some of those core values of the pits home that you would tell me? Yeah. These are, th- these things are important to our home.
5: Uh, I would say uh, humility is probably a big thing. My mom is my biggest fan, but she's also uh, probably the person that keeps me on the earth the most. So uh, that's one thing that our family tries to take pride in and really just try and, put people above ourselves and that kind of thing and that comes along with respect And I would say is another thing I try and respect our coaches as much as possible respect my teammates and pretty much do anything I can for them just because I mean the position players are playing behind me so I want them to do uh everything they can for me because I'll do the same for them um and then competitive uh our uh our family uh card games get pretty competitive so uh Sometimes we have to dial it back a little bit. Maybe not play Monopoly as much or anything, but uh, we're pretty competitive as a family, and uh, that's one thing that translate it translates into my baseball game.
1: By the way, I think we could. Well, make the was game there show. ever
0: was there ever anyone? No, I just got to know Danny real quick. What did, what I did, I you ask? did Did yeah. anyone in the Fitz home? Did anyone in the Fitz home ever flip a board? Has, has the Monopoly <laughs> board ever been flipped in the
5: Fitz home? it has not been flipped but there's been a couple storm offs i will say
1: <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> yes yes storm off. sorry
0: danny yes no
1: I, I just feel like we hear that a lot i'm i'm envisioning a game show concept of families of athletes who compete in board games against each other you know i think that that could be a new uh, concept but my last one would sure. yeah right i think so my last one is just you know when you watch the show today when you see big leaguers today, like what excites you about where the game is at?
5: Um, I think what excites me is just the, the hype that's coming around the game of baseball. You know, I mean, there's a lot of, I guess, controversy when it comes to that too, but it's also like pitchers are adding a new element to the game. Hitters are adding a new element with kind of the, a little bit showy, but also, you know, just adding a more fun, you know, like, I think like uh Younger kids are getting more into baseball just because they're seeing uh, big name guys who are having fun on the diamond, on the diamond and stuff. And I'm not saying that guys aren't who aren't showy, aren't having fun, but you know, I mean, you can see like some smiles, you know, some different things coming from these guys, and it's uh, it's fun to see. It's something that uh, kind of adds that personal element too, you know. I mean, like I was saying about the jokes and stuff, you know, like seeing professional baseball players smile and have fun uh really made me even you know i mean and guys younger than me want to play baseball and want to play it at a high level all I got. awesome my friend yeah thank you
0: every single week or whenever we drop this podcast we have a chance to jump back into perfect game college baseball it's a show on espnu on sirius xm heard every tuesday at 10 o'clock eastern and it's co-hosted by hunter pence that's right that hunter pence And I love his questions. I love where he goes. And it's very simple this week. He goes right in and gets going with Coach Tim Corbin, the head coach of Vanderbilt, the class of the sport, certainly. And he dives right in on Kumar Rocker and Jack Light. As you have unwound a little bit, and it's such an Mm -hmm. intense journey, especially coming through the backside of COVID, have you been able to reflect on, you know, these young men becoming men and uh, all that they accomplished this year, understanding how it started in 2020 that you guys worked through COVID to do what you did in 2021?
2: Yeah I mean, when you phrase it that way, Darren, it it is it's a like a longer mission. And it's 24 months. Uh, the fact that we had a season, we didn't take that for granted. And the fact that we could have some fans in the seats as May started to come about. and then the NCA adjusted um, their their ruling on uh, the seating too and, and gave everyone a hundred percent chance of, of getting fans into the stands. That was uh, very gratifying, but I, I think trying to sum anything up uh, I was thinking about that because I you know you get you get back from Omaha, you do your last meeting uh, that's always the the worst day for me period because you're putting a, a final end to something. but I, I think this year I'm probably going to reflect back and end up writing them a letter just because I think there's a lot you miss. I, I think when you sit back and, start laying in bed some nights and you start thinking about certain situations that you were very happy with and very proud of and you don't share it on the way out. I certainly would like to have like for them to have it at some point in time. So I'll probably do that. But it'll mean more once uh, the days start to uh, the days start to come.
6: Yeah, Tim, what a pleasure it was. I got the opportunity to watch just a few of the games. They had the Super Regional, a couple of the College World Series games, and when Vanderbilt takes the field, it is it is something magnificent. It's a magnificent reflection of your one of the of your leadership. I consider you one of the best leaders of, in the baseball world right now, and I mean this team. Talk a little bit about um, not only obviously you had the, the amazing pitchers and, and this was the story of college baseball. It was just fun to see, you know, lighter and rocker doing their thing. But the thing that I enjoyed was the passion from some of the at bats, the speed of this team, and there was comeback and there was fight. I would like to hear just your thoughts on on that lineup, on backing it up and and stepping up when it counted.
2: Yeah well thank you for saying that first Hunter. Yeah, I think the the group was inexperienced on the field. Now Kumar was the one kid that had experience in the college World Series, but there, there was no one else that had any playing experience whatsoever Hunter. So I think to, to your point, something that we, we speak about is you know, that emotional flexibility piece because it's it's so, needed as you go through seasons, number one, but also to counterpunch inside of games and to, to get to that point where you can lose a lead, gain a lead, lose a lead again, or you find yourself in search of the lead at the end of the game, especially in a hot temperature situation. That's something that we got better at as the season progressed. And, you know, I always feel like it, if you're a team that walks off once, it's probably going to happen again in your future. And you've seen those teams, you've been on those teams, Hunter, where that almost becomes normal, behavior. eighth or ninth inning, you're by, behind a couple runs, and one guy finds his way on base, next thing you know, someone drives him in. So I, I feel like in a lot of ways, we um, we were able to do that. Now, I will say this, and, and the, the other side of the coin, I, I think it cost us, because I think at the end of the year, we ran out of emotional energy. And we had put a lot into the regional and super regional and really the College World Series winning two walk-off games. And I just really felt like at the end, and I'm not minimizing what Mississippi State did to us because they were the better team, but I really felt like, we, we probably ran out of gas. You could see that physically and mentally.
6: Yeah, it definitely does. Uh, you know, riding that emotional roller coaster, there can be some, mm-hmm. you know, adrenaline. You, you just run out of the adrenal gland. I, I actually mm-hmm. studied that when I was looking up vitamins that can help mm-hmm. you out uh, in the blood. But that's an interesting point. I, wanna, I wanted to also ask, because I'm a big fan of body language, and I'm sure you are as well, just listening to the way you talk. You know, you talk about, you know, the fibers are real and pure from Kumar Rocker. I love that quote mm-hmm. from you but uh, talk to me about because you have some of the best poise anytime I'm looking at the body language of the teams as I'm watching a game and it could be one of those dogfights where it's back and forth and that's you know this was one of the best competitive collegiate seasons ever because it was just so many more players how much does body language play a role and 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 what are what are are, are, is this intentional or is this natural for you
2: well it's very intentional inside the program I think it's innate for some kids I mean Kumar pitches with such great body language so doesn't lighter but they were pro both probably privy to seeing that through their dad's eyes and through their dad's jobs you know kumar in a, in a football sense and jack of course with al in baseball uh but i i think you know how important body language is because that was something that that you maintained all the time but i, I just think when you're on the field of competition there's verbal communication gets lost. There's too much acreage out there and there's too much going on, but you get inside where action and competition takes place, then your posture, then your body and, and how you speak to other people because of the confidence say, says a lot. It says a lot about the individual. and it says a lot about the team. So it is something that we pay close attention to. It is something that I hate even saying this, it, it's probably a little bit manufactured in August and September and October. But that, then I think almost like anything else that a parent would teach a child, I think once they start to understand it and see it, then they'd say, okay, I, I understand what that looks like. And I understand what it does to drive positive behaviors of a team. So yeah, it certainly is a big part of our, our group.
0: Good podcast. You get all the credit in the world for this one, man. You pulled these interviews together. It's tough right now. A lot of these athletes are hunkering down with family. They're hunkering down with advisors. We have great relationships. They'll make time. But these are two that we didn't have relationships with in the past. And I think that's very, very cool. Um, We opted not to chase the high school athlete this week. Um, These are maybe two of my favorite interviews and uh, how Bachman talked about driving across town to watch Kumar Rocker pitch. And now he's going to be in the same discussion with him. Oh, I love that. That was gold.
1: You'll allow the chip on the shoulder analogy to live for another day and it's truly fitting for Sam Bachman and then as you said Richard Fitz man this kid is going to be something really special he has put his head down he had to prove over everybody that he was worthy of a spot and that takes a really special kid I think to do something like that for a great Butch Thompson team and by the way eight guys are going to be in attendance at the draft Ryan Cusick Henry Davis Joe Mack Joe Mack Matt Mikulski Colson Montgomery, Chase Petty, Trey Sweeney, Jordan Wicks. We've talked to one, two, three, four, five of those guys here on our podcast. Five out of eight have been here. And it's a labor of love. We run around like chickens with our heads cut off. And we do it for you guys because their stories deserve to be told. And it's one of my favorite things that I do. Darren has 800 jobs. I have 799. And I love that we've covered this draft basically head to toe.
0: Yeah, I do love it. I do love that I hear from folks in the industry um, that actually make these selections. I hear from them quite a bit. Could you share the raw of this? Could you share that? Could you share a part of your show that you guys have done on Sunday or this podcast? And I know they're listening. Uh, Even if it's just them listening, we're doing our job. We're getting a little bit more of a platform for these kids. So um, this is a good one. This space available, by the way, whoever you are, your corporation out there, step up, paycheck, we'll take your cash what's your name by amateur hour you know it's a catchy name danny came up with it i did so if you if you love it give danny the credit and and it's her idea if you don't like it you know it's it's d Sutton at perfect game.org send me an email um but if you love it it's her idea and it was an amazing idea so yeah what's your cash by this thing come on now let's go
1: call us beep us however you want to reach us and subscribe and enjoy the draft Darren's going to have coverage on perfectgame.org, Perfect game TV. I'll be on Sirius XM doing a post-draft show. Catch us on XM 89, but thanks for tuning in and, and following along for the ride.
0: Yeah. I'm going to give one last, one last shout out. Is that what the kids say? Shout out. Shout out. Yeah. So um, every vignette you hear, Danny's going to host the show and every vignette you hear on Sirius XM describing the players will come from perfect game and they are written by our scouts. I voiced them. Every vignette you hear, you think we're good in this space, folks? Sorry. Sorry about it. I mean, I apologize. Um, you, and, and then, um, you know, you will hear all that. Uh, and uh, two players that are probably going to be top 10 picks, I can't reveal yet. Um, we are behind the scenes documentary with those players from the moment they get out of bed. And we will have that with you in the coming weeks. Um, you will know what it's like to be a first round high pick, maybe the number one overall pick. So we appreciate the families of those two players, not going to reveal them yet. Um, we're going to be in their homes, behind the scenes, with two of our great videographers. So we've got some chills. cool stuff coming. We've got some I have cool stuff coming.
1: Thinking about that, I know who we, it is. By the way, my lips can't tell you yellow.
0: who. Danny knows. Can't tell you who, but the content's great. Both great kids. Both great and raising the platform of the game. Both guys that are about their family. So yes, that now we should end the podcast. But I we apologize should. to other, all you other folks out there that are in this space that don't have that stuff. Sorry.
1: I'm not sorry.